Hello, hello, and welcome to XX Maya the podcast. I'm your host, Maya Fiorella, and today we have a very exciting guest joining me. It is Miss Abby Gonzalez. I met Abby in college through our sorority, and I almost immediately asked her to be a guest on my podcast because she is just one of those people I could talk to for literal hours. In today's episode, we talk about everything from college life to battling mental health to her diagnoses with Crohn's disease. This is a jam-packed episode, so without any further ado, let's introduce Abby to the podcast. Hi. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to be on here and I feel so honored that you wanted to have me on here. Like Maya said, my name is Abby. I'm 21. I go to Sonoma State University. I'm studying psychology and criminal justice and that's pretty much the main gist of me. (laughs) So Abby and I met at Sonoma State. We both attended there and I actually want to start with why you chose your majors, because I think that, first of all, having a double major or anything in college is just incredible in itself. (laughs) But I think that you have a really great story as to like why you chose them, why you were led down that path. So I've always loved psych. It's such an interesting topic. I had the blessing of being able to take AP psych when I was in high school and I loved the teacher. I loved the class. And then he was the one that introduced me to more of like the law side and everything and said that he thought that I would be a really good lawyer. And I looked up to this teacher. And so when I went to Sonoma, I was just psychology and I, it took me like a year to be declared in criminal justice as well, but it is such an interesting course. I want to go into criminal law and work with minority communities and getting rightful representation for their cases and ensuring that, you know, they're getting the just side of law with them where that doesn't really always happen. And so that's kind of why I think psychology is super important for anything you go into in your life. You need to know psych. It's there's just so many things that you can use to your advantage in and everything. And so having that with law just really aids it. And like you learn how to talk to a jury, how to, you know, work those angles and stuff with psychology, but with the criminal justice, it's the more like fact side and everything. Yeah, totally. I love that. And I also have always been interested in criminal law not something that I personally want to pursue. (laughs) It's intense. How do you think that that's going to like shape your life after you graduate from college? Because it is such a demanding job on so many different levels. It definitely is. I never thought school wasn't like academics weren't always my thing. Like I wasn't a top performing student in high school for most of it. It took a different teacher to inspire me to learn how my brain works and how to study with it. And college has been a little bit easier just knowing that I have to work really hard for my grades. And so knowing that it's a career and study that takes that long, no matter what, it takes that drive and perseverance to, you know, study those hours and to work those hours is a lot. But you have to help people and it's a way to help people. It's constantly there. People unfortunately need it all the time. 
but it feels good to be good at something too. And so when I am doing well academically, it is that little validation there that I'm doing something right and that it's something I should be doing. So I just like it for that reason. It can be a lot. I'm studying for the LSAT right now. And so I am doing that on top of, you know, regular college studying and having a job and being 21, like wanting to have fun and stuff, but it's fun. (laughs) Going back to something that you touched on, you said that school wasn't always your thing. And I can definitely relate to that. I feel like in high school, I didn't care about my grades very much. School was very hard for me. I didn't really see a purpose to it. What changed for you, at least, and what made you so passionate about learning and about academic validation? We love that. (laughs) Yes, academic validation is amazing. Um, No, I... I got better at it later in high school. It was brought to my attention that I had ADHD by a teacher. And so learning how to study and work with that kind of a brain versus just a normal brain helped me. And once I saw the results, it was just uplifting kind of, and I wanted to keep finding them. But coming to college, it's been more of like the interest in the topics. Like I want to sit down and study my textbooks. I want to read, like I want to take the notes that my professors have me take because it's so interesting. And I could talk for hours on the courses I'm taking because they're so interesting to me. And so I think that's half of it is that I am studying something I love. And I feel like that's a big part of college, why a lot of people like it. And it's worth it if you're interested to, you know, go into what you love because then it's it's not bad. It can be stressful and you want to rip your hair out sometimes, but it's interesting and it doesn't feel like you're doing it for nothing. There's a light at the end of the tunnel for what you're studying. Totally. I feel like when I got into college and I realized oh, I can choose the classes that I want to take. It gave me a sense of control over it and it made me enjoy it so much more. And also I think professors are a lot different than high school teachers. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I've had some amazing high school teachers as well, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, every single professor I had at Sonoma State University was so passionate about what they were teaching that even if I didn't necessarily care about the subject, it made me care because I was like, oh my God, they love it so much. I always talk about this one theater class (laughs) because I just have absolutely never had an interest in theater, but I took this class and I was like, this is so cool. This is so engaging. And I did really well in the course and it was all because of the professor. Yes, yes. I had my freshman year was a GE. It was, I can't remember the name of it, but it had to do with dinosaurs and you learned all about dinosaurs. It was like that class or physics and I was not taking physics, but this professor was so passionate. She knew so much about the topics and was just so excited that I'm like literally taking a class this year for her that I have to do for like an upper division GE moment. And so she just, I liked studying the class because she was so passionate and so driven and like excited to teach us. 
Yeah. So if you're a high school student and you don't like school, look forward to having more passionate teachers. Yes. Yes. They want to be there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like college is hard for a lot of reasons. Financially, it can be a burden on a lot of families and it's more challenging in the type of thinking that you do in college. So for the most part, the students want to be there if they're there and the professors want to be there. So it just creates Mm -hmm. such a better learning environment. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So how do you balance everything that you do? Because like you said, you work and you're involved in Greek life. That's how we met. And how do you balance all of that? Honestly, like being completely honest, sometimes I don't, you know, it's not going to be perfect every day. I am type A, a to a T. Uh, I love planning and scheduling and putting things in neat color coordinated boxes. I'll admit it. Um, and so I try and do that to a certain extent. I love Google Calendar. I have my like actual physical planners that I write everything on as well. And, you know, I cross out, I make to-do lists every morning and that are achievable things that I can actually do during the day, not lists of 17 things that I can never accomplish. It's, I try and be reasonable, but I also allow like a little bit room for error just because we're human, it's going to happen. But Sometimes it does just take sacrifice. It does take missing out on some fun things to stay in and study, but also knowing that I'm in my 20s and I need to go out with my friends sometimes over studying for 10 hours for an exam. Like having fun and going out to dinner isn't going to ruin all of the studying. And so learning that little balance has been really important these past few years of COVID, we just know nothing is what we plan it for. And, you know, I, the last time I was on campus, I was a freshman in college and now I'm a junior now fully coming back. And so it's like, we didn't plan for that. We didn't see that happening and it did just got to roll with the punches but I organize my time. I, you know, make sure I have it all planned out and set in the ways that I can control it. But I also try and take a step back and just recognize that life happens on its own. And sometimes you have to just roll with whatever punches (laughs) there may be. That's crazy that you haven't stepped on campus since you were literally a freshman That's Mm -hmm. insane. I went and took my graduation pictures over the holiday break. And that was my first time being on campus since I was like a sophomore. And I was like, this is so weird. How do you think COVID affected how you look at your life in a sense, like how you balanced it? Because I know for me, at least before COVID, I was such a perfectionist. I needed to have a 4.0 and I would miss out on every opportunity pretty much. I didn't really appreciate socializing in the same ways that I do now. No, totally. I, I've gotten a different like attitude towards things happening. I used to dwell so much on everything that would happen in my life. I would stay up at night thinking about every second of the day, everything that I did, I'd regret things. I would 
just scrutinize like everything or if something bad happened and it affected me negatively, I would think about all of the ways I could have done something different to, you know, have made that situation better. I would just ruminate way too much on every little thing in my life. And then COVID happened and I kind of just got this like air of, okay, you know what? I did what I could do and this is how it worked out this is happening for a reason. Let's just go with it and see where this takes me. And just, there's nothing more I can do now. I did what I could. It's out of my control now. There's nothing I can do that can change this outcome now or, you know, change what might happen. You know, I I can't control that. And so I got a lot more relaxed when it came to all of the unknowns and question marks because I just realized how little I can control. It's kind of like a weird, like existential <laughs> like moment that happened, but it was needed. And I've gotten a lot more relaxed and like, I can accept outcomes a lot easier now because I just realized you can't really fight everything and that's okay. It takes so much energy out of you. Yes. Constantly <laughs> yes. feel like, you have to control everything because I am definitely a little bit of a control freak. Oh, yes. When something like COVID happens, there is no control yes. literally at all. There was nothing that I could do, nothing that you could do. We were just small individuals in like this huge grand scheme of mm-hmm. life happening. And honestly, in some ways, obviously not a lot because there was a lot of lives lost and a lot of harm from COVID as well. But one small little blessing that I took from it was definitely the control aspect because Mm -hmm. I am nowhere near as much of a control freak these days. Yes. And I've also learned to appreciate the little moments and to like look back on all of those moments where you're just belly laughing with your friends or having really good conversations, even just the little things and just appreciating them more. Cause you know, I haven't seen my freshman year roommate. She doesn't go to Sonoma State anymore. I haven't seen her since we were freshmen, you know? And so it's those little things that we were great roommates. Like I have a good friendship with her still, but it's, you, you never know when it's not going to be there anymore. And so just taking advantage of all of it and, you know, with our sorority and stuff like that, going to all of the non-mandatory events just because, you know, we have them now, I'm going to go to them because I can. And, you know, not skipping out of them just because I'm a little tired or I don't really want to, or they don't count for anything. So why am I going to go? Like not having that attitude about things in my life anymore because, I didn't realize how much I would miss them when I was stuck at home and couldn't do anything. And so just being more appreciative of everything around me has also just been a blessing with COVID. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of sorority, (laughs) I did an episode a while back all about my college experience. And I briefly touched on my experience going through like sorority recruitment and Mm -hmm being in a sorority for a little bit, but I feel that Sonoma State in particular has a very (laughs) different Greek life than many other schools. I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, where sororities and fraternities there are huge. They pretty much take over the entire school. There's like hundreds of people in them. And 
it's a lot more serious, I think, in a lot of ways. <laughs> Can you kind of explain the Greek life culture at Sonoma State? Yeah, I, I Greek life is still, it's a small school in general. Sonoma State's still tiny. So Greek life is going to be smaller. It is a little bit more, these are your friends. These are people that you work well with. You have similar ambitions. You have similar personality styles and traits. So you'll get along. Like it's not as, it's not Alabama rush. It's not, you know, the, that TikTok thing that was going on when, you know, recruitment was happening in the South and all of that. It's not like that here. It's more of just finding your people and finding people that uplift you and work with you well. That's been my experience with it. You know, I can speak positively on it because I've only had positive experiences with it. It's more just your friends. There's still the Greek dynamic. There's still, you know, the hierarchy that comes with it sometimes that can be frustrating in its own moment, but it also is just its own little like circle of people that are all within the same community and just want to kind of be friends. <laughs> I feel like it was a very inclusive environment. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know a lot of my friends that are in sororities in the South, they describe it as being a very exclusive part of campus where it's like we're in and you're out kind of situation. Yeah. And I was really happy when I rushed that I never felt that way at all. No, I felt so welcomed into each of the chapters. Honestly, when we were going through the whole process, I never felt like one thought they were too good to be talking to me or that they were uninterested in me or anything like that. And even now as being in one of the chapters, we're all nice to each other. I, you know, we all see each other and smile on campus. I, you know, well, when we were more in person and stuff, but we have friends on social media that will comment on their scrolls that I don't really know that well, but I followed them since freshman year and they're in different chapters and I talk to them. But within our chapter, I never felt like I didn't belong. Like it was this automatic breath of fresh air because it was just so warm. I grew up in a high school that was very clicky. And so coming into this, I was nervous that I was just putting myself in the same environment, but it isn't like that. It's very just people want to talk to you and be your friend and hang out and go to a cycling class together. Like it's that simple. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like something that gets often overlooked in Greek life is the amount of leadership opportunities, because it was something I never put much thought into until I was in it. And I realized that there's a position for literally everything. Everything. And I know that you've held some really great leadership positions start your time in Gamma Phi Beta. Can yes. you tell me about some of them? Yes. Um, so at my first year, I was mainly just like assistants and just kind of there helping the upperclassmen and stuff like that. Um, I didn't really have enough roots to do anything bigger. And then um, I actually was put into a position, it's called Betty, but it's belonging, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And so I was just educating our entire chapter on a lot of the social justice issues and a lot of this, the 
climate of this day and age and stuff like that, how to be an appropriate college student, how to put forth the best, you know, image of Gamma Phi Beta and its inclusivity. And so making sure that every single person that was sitting in that room felt like they belonged there and that we were making everybody who talked to us, that interacted with us, that, you know, saw us and observed us felt like they were being spoken to nicely and that it wasn't anything inappropriate and just educating them on all of the little things that you might realize you're doing that you that aren't appropriate you know we're all raised in certain ways and there are a lot of things that I was doing wrong that I didn't realize until I got to college and so you know you learn and this is a good time to learn to break some of those habits that you might that might be harmful, you know, learn about your implicit biases and all of that kind of stuff that we all have, but we can all try and not have. And, you know, like around Halloween, the costumes that might be inappropriate or that are inappropriate and you don't realize are because they're super normalized and you see them all the time. You see them on TikTok and Instagram, people wearing them and you don't think it's a problem, but it is to those communities. And so bringing awareness to, you know, the girls in the chapter on those kinds of topics. So they're putting their best foot forward and learning it young before it's too late, you know? And so that was an amazing position. I, it was the first time that position was in Gamma Phi Beta as a whole. And then also to start chapter, I was the first person to hold it. And so that was so cool to have that. And like, my name will always be the first name, which is super weird to think about. Um, And that was really fun. And now I'm um, our membership vice president which is just the person who's in charge of our recruitment process. So training, you know, making sure we're ready to talk to all of the uh, new girls coming in and also just refining all of that lovely stuff that is all the behind the scenes of recruitment for the active members and everything. That is so incredible. The fact that you've even held that many positions is something in itself because college is so hard like I don't think people that are not in college realize how much of your time it really takes up especially to succeed in college it's a lot of time it's a lot of brain power and then on top of that to be working and then also have these (laughs) other sorority responsibilities is just crazy and switching gears a little bit just because I Mm -hmm. know you I also know that you struggle with Crohn's disease, which also takes up probably so much of your time and energy. (laughs) Can you kind of explain your story with Crohn's? Crohn's is somewhat new as like a diagnosis in my life. I've always had stomach issues. I mean, it seems like our generation just has stomach issues. That's just a thing. I think we can all relate to something being wrong with our stomach. I always had like a dairy issue growing up, but honestly, until I was in high school, I never really put priority to it because who does if it's not an allergy at that age? It's not a priority. And then I, my older sister kind of started having more prominent stomach issues. And so she was doing some diet elimination things. And I kind of was like, well, that might hurt my stomach too. And so I took 
gluten and dairy completely out of my diet. And I realized how much that helped. I thought it was like normal for your stomach to be in a lot of pain after you ate. Like I just thought that was digestion. Like I thought that that's what that was. And so, and it was like, like all my classes after lunch were always my worst grades. Like I never did well. Cause I was always like ill after lunch. Cause I'd be eating pretzels and I'd be eating a sandwich and I'd be eating a bar that had, you know, gluten in it, like all those things that you don't realize. And then, so I took those completely out of my diet. I started feeling a lot better and I just kind of focused on, you know, eating as well as I could while still being, you know, a high school student, still living in my parents' house where my mom cooks our dinners and, you know, provides the groceries and stuff like that. And so it was more of just making sure I wasn't eating things that were obviously harming me rather than something that was like healthier for my gut, if that makes any sense. And then once we got sent home in college after COVID, I had the worst like stomach issue ever. And I'd go in and out throughout my life of having, I called them flares and now I still call them flares, but where like nothing would stay in me. I would just be really ill. I'd be in a lot of pain. I really didn't know what was going on. Always just thought it was either my birth control or my um, anxiety acting up or something like that. I never realized it could be a lot more serious. And then I just finally had enough. It was, I I guess, I think I guess it was 2020 at that point. I don't know. Time, (laughs) time seems so funky now when I try and look back. Um, But it was that first summer of COVID and I got really sick, the sickest I ever have. And I'd lost like 16 pounds in like a two week span. I wasn't eating anything. I could barely drink. I was just really sick. I had gotten in with a gastrointestinal doctor who immediately got me scheduled for just a bunch of minor procedures and stuff like that to just take a look. So, you know, all the fun endoscopies and colonoscopies and CT scans. And like there was a little pill at one point that I had that had a camera in it. And I had to swallow it and it like recorded my like entire digestive like track. It was the weirdest thing to go through all of that. And then I was diagnosed pretty quickly after that whole process of everything that just sucked with mild to moderate Crohn's disease. And so Crohn's is essentially to wrap it up in a neat little bow is basically an autoimmune disease that affects anywhere within your gastrointestinal tract. So it just is inflammation. It is irritation and all of that kind of stuff. I'm not a doctor, so I can't you know, perfectly describe it. You don't absorb things as well. So your nutrition is down oftentimes and all of that kind of stuff. And it's an inflammatory disease. So if you're in a flare, your joints can hurt, your skin can hurt. It's just kind of an achy and not great thing. Um, luckily I do have like a lesser case. So some people have to, you know, get like their bowels resected and like all of that kind of stuff. Luckily I'm not at that point right now and hopefully ever, but it can get to that point. 
Oh yeah, it can be extremely severe. Actually, about three different people in my family have Crohn's and yes. one of them has a colostomy bag. And mm-hmm. I remember the process for that was just oh. horrific and, yes. <laughs> and still struggles with even mm-hmm. just recognizing that that's a piece of her. It's yep. crazy. But mm-hmm. to backtrack to your story a little bit, when over that summer, when you were having all of those like mini tests and procedures done, trying to figure out what your diagnosis was, yes. how did that affect your mental health? Quite honestly, I was not, I mean, midst of a pandemic that nobody knew anything about, you know, that was one of the scariest times. That's when cases were really, really bad again. You know, everything was really just shut down, not doing anything. And it was scary and so unknown in that respect. And then my health being called into question really was not great. And then I was angry too, because I'd spent 19 years of my life in this kind of pain and frustration. And it was always just scraped off as hormones or anxiety and all that kind of stuff. And while it does contribute, that wasn't the cause. And so that was just like its own frustration of not being listened to for so long that it wasn't just a nervous stomach. It wasn't just, you know, little things. There was something medically and genuinely wrong with me. And I also was battling like this thing of like imposter syndrome of, you know, am I really sick? Is this actually like, am I making this all up? Am I being dramatic? Like, do I just need to suck it up and, you know, take some Tylenol and go to bed? Like, am I just being too dramatic? Like, it was this whole back and forth of like, no, something's wrong with me. Like, I'm doing what I should be doing and I'm still sick. But also, well, does everybody feel this? Like, does everybody go through this? And I'm just the only one vocalizing a frustration about it. If they have to do all these tests for it, does that mean that I'm actually sick? Like, there was just this never ending battle in my head. And so that also just wasn't helping, (laughs) you know, the symptoms because anxiety contributes, you know, your, your mind and your gut are super connected. And so I, it, it wasn't a great time. It was nice to be diagnosed, but it was also kind of, it's a double-edged sword. It, it sucked to be diagnosed with something that wasn't, oh, here, just take this medicine for three to five days and you'll be fine. Like it was a diagnosis for the rest of my life. I completely relate to so many little things. I know you do. Uh, Because obviously I don't have Crohn's. I have a different autoimmune disorder. And the whole process of getting diagnosed is really not talked about a lot. I feel like with people, especially with things that are chronic, or at least you will be struggling with for a long time and you can't just take medicine to get over it. Mm-hmm. That in itself is so defeating, or at least to me, it was yes. so defeating <laughs> yes. when I got diagnosed with postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. It was like, okay, awesome. But now that's just a part of me forever. Mm-hmm. And Also, when you were talking about, oh, am I just like making this up in my head? That is exactly how I felt all throughout high school because everyone gets a little bit dizzy sometimes. People have (laughs) fainted. 
from not eating enough or because they're too hot or whatever. And I felt like for the longest time, I was like, well, I'm a tiny girl. Maybe I'm just, you know, not eating enough. And Mm -hmm. I just get easily fatigued and that's it, the end. And no, (laughs) no, not at all. No, (laughs) it was so hard for me to almost recognize that yes my disease is like a part of me but it is not what defines me yes yes that was a big thing that I came to I actually read a book that I recommended to you called the power of now and it was it really taught me to take my identity away from those constructs and to not like introduce myself with a hi my name's Abby and I have Crohn's disease like that's not you know people don't look at me and see that I don't need to have it be this constant thing in my life yes I do need to live a certain way in accordance to it to make sure that I'm healthy and you know functioning and you know getting in good nutrition and stuff but I also don't need to have it be this constant narrative and not letting it make me be really sad and have it be this depressing thing in my life, taking care of myself, but not letting it rule over everything that I want to do. How has being diagnosed affected the way that you live your day-to-day life? It changed a lot because I really had to focus on my food, I had to focus on supplements. I had to do, you know, I just, I was 19 at the time that I was diagnosed and I got a lot more control of it once I was kind of like 20 and now 21 and stuff. I've been able to control how I live my life more being back at school and back in my college town and everything. But it really just made me change everything. Honestly, I've always been, you know, healthy and active. I, you know, always went to the gym. I always ate moderately well. You know, I wasn't some poster child for good eating. You know, my mom was an amazing cook. And so we ate lots of kinds of foods. It wasn't always super healthy. Uh, Coming to school, I realized, okay, so I can't eat raw vegetables all the time. I can't eat you know, this right in the morning. And, you know, there's some things to sacrifice some stomach pain for, you know, but other things it's not worth it. And learning substitutes, learning that being active is an integral part of my gut health. And whether it just be taking a walk or doing yoga, like that's enough, but it's still, you know, you wouldn't think that doing those things affects your gut health, but it does. And that like vitamin D and B12 and, you know, all those random vitamins that I don't get and I don't absorb affect my gut health, learning the right vitamins to take, because apparently there's wrong brands and right brands and, you know, all that kind of stuff that's so difficult. I kind of had to grow up a lot more and like take care of myself in a bigger more adult and mature way, which can kind of be hard sometimes when I'm trying to relate. I think that's why you and I get along so well, because we take care of ourselves in that kind of a way. And so I don't feel 
like judged for taking care of myself in that respect. And yeah, I've just had to, you know, learn what works for me, but also just, I had to change my life so much in order to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a really big change when you get diagnosed with something like that, even if it is just mild, whatever, it's still, it's still going to affect your day-to-day life. And we were kind of forced to learn how to be healthy and take care of our bodies, which is a little bit unique. Most people are not in that position, but I do think that sometimes living a healthy lifestyle can seem really overwhelming because you do have to change a lot of little parts of your life. But I think that that's the key is just starting with small things and just incorporating them slowly. At least that's kind of what I did when I was going through like the worst of my health problems Mm -hmm. is, okay, well, I need to pay more attention to my food this week. And then the week after I would kind of start paying attention to, okay, maybe I should move in this way and not do a cardio hit workout because that just doesn't work for my body. Yeah. I grew up in a household that was very like cold Turkey, like an all or nothing kind of a household. And so that's kind of how I started this. And it just wasn't working. Like it just, I couldn't get it a hundred percent. Like I would do everything I needed to do And then three days later, I wouldn't be doing it all kind of a thing. And it just wasn't ever consistent. And then once I was able to kind of be on my own, I was able to do it in a way that worked for me and learn through cooking and learn through all of those things of, okay, I'm going to not eat this for two weeks, see how that feels and have that control. And you know, all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, like you said, I don't need to do it all at once. Sometimes I need to just focus on what I'm eating more this week and making sure I'm not eating super inflammatory things or even somewhat inflammatory. And no matter how much I move, my stomach is going to hurt if I'm not eating the right stuff. And so learning what to prioritize and when, especially when it comes to school and all of that, I know you can relate to this. And when it gets to the midterms and final season, learning kind of, okay, something has to go to the back burner and it can't be everything, you know, and learning what part of my health affects my school and stuff like that. Learning what to prioritize and when is super important. Would you agree that you also gained a sense of being really intuitive with your body throughout the whole process? (laughs) Yes. I will notice the slightest grumble. I will know, you know, oh shoot, like my wrist that I hurt in third grade is starting to ache. I think that means that I'm starting a flare. Like the most random things that I start to recognize are like, oh, my eyelids felt really cold. I think I need to like start eating more of this because of so like, it's the most random things that you start to notice. And I've gotten really good at that, uh, which is just so weird to be so in tune with my body but it is nice because I can kind of prevent something from getting worse if I can feel those little aches or feel like I take one bite of something and I'm like oh nope that had something in it that I didn't like we're not gonna continue this meal kind of a thing 
honestly being really in tune with your body is so nice in some ways in other ways it's a bit scary because I would agree I can (laughs) tell like I literally just wake up in the morning and I can tell that I won't be feeling well or whatever it is but do you have any gut health tips that you can share yeah I mean obviously I'm not you know a doctor I'm not a nutritionist or anything like that it's more of just what personally has worked for me and I feel like that's honestly the biggest tip is finding what works for you my whole house that I live with all my roommates in college we all have gut issues and I can't eat dairy or gluten and you know some of them can versus one of my roommates can't eat just dairy and you know we all have our different issues and stuff like that we all eat according to what works with our bodies kind of you know and not feeling like you have to not eat something because somebody isn't eating it or feel like you have to eat something because somebody is eating it it just it's just what works with you don't underestimate a good probiotic and good supplements and you know adding those into your diet wherever you can is really important because I, even for your mental health too, I never realized how important vitamin D and B12 are for your gut health and absorption for nutrients, as well as your mental health. Because, you know, there'll be times where I'll be so down, like I will not be okay. I will not want to move. I will not want to do anything. And I have to get routine blood work for my Crohn's. And so I'll get that and I'll learn that I'm like super deficient in vitamin D. And it's like, oh, well, that's why you're so tired and this and that because of your supplements or your levels are low. And so, you know, getting those tests done, if your insurance can cover it, see what you might be low on and learning and listening to what feels good in your stomach and in your body, what fuels you and gives you energy, go on TikTok, go on Instagram, go on Twitter. There are so many inspirations for, you know, recipes and good things. I wouldn't be able to make so much food if it wasn't for those online communities showing me amazing and delicious, you know, recipes that I would never try. Like I would absolutely never think that I could make that vegan or I could make that gluten-free and someone's done it you know, (laughs) so use this day and age to your advantage, but make it unique to you because not everybody's gut is the same. Not everybody's experience with it is the same. And so you can't copy someone's formula for it and expect the same result because it's just not how it works. (laughs) I love that so much because it's something I try really hard to preach across any social media platform yes, do. I do. have. <laughs> it's so true. And I was definitely one, especially when I was like a younger girl, that yes. if something worked for my friend, it had to work for me. I had to make it work for me. Yes. And it took me a long time, but I finally realized that mm-hmm. we're so different. And like you said, whether it's about food or even just being around someone else's like energy if it's not fueling you and you don't need it <laughs> you don't need it no not no, at all because no. other people's energy other people's mindsets their motivations how they speak to themselves how they speak to other people how they speak to you affects you 
it is, I mean, you wonder why you're in a really good mood when you're with all the people you love versus when you're with someone that you don't like, you're not in a good mood. Like that's their energy is affecting you. It is a part of you at that point. It's with the people too. And making sure that you're only surrounding yourself with people that foster a healthy and positive you is important. Absolutely. Because I mean, obviously physical health and what you eat is talked about so much in the health community, which is fantastic, but Mm -hmm. things like mental health and more specifically who you surround yourself with, what type of media are you consuming? Those are two things that aren't talked about as much, but have just as big, if not even a bigger effect on how you feel about yourself. Oh, 100%. I recently went through such a purge on my Instagram of who I was following because there were people who, you know, they are gorgeous women and they're not purposefully, you know, putting out a negative, you know, thing for me. Like they're not targeting me by posting what they're posting. But I found myself just physically comparing myself to them way too much and not looking at myself in a good way when I looked in the mirror and that wasn't okay. And that wasn't good for me to do. And that's something I have control over is who I follow and why do I follow them? And just kind of thinking about that. And I wasn't following any of them for any good reason. And it wasn't affecting me if I unfollowed them. And I don't really think about the fact that I did unfollow them. You know, I haven't thought about them every day. Like, oh, what are they doing? Like, they're not my friend, you know? Like, I don't (laughs) need to do that. And so that was really important, like following accounts that promote a neutral body image and just fueling yourself and eating is good for you. And working out isn't a punishment. It's a celebration that your body can do that. And, you know, following those accounts has helped and stuff, but yeah, I've recently had to go through and unfollow a lot of accounts that just weren't promoting that for me. And you shouldn't feel bad about that either. So many people I know will be like, isn't that rude? What if I, I know this person, but their content makes me upset in whatever way mute them if you are worried about it you have to put yourself first in those situations and Mm -hmm. this is even a silly example but I noticed that I used to really watch a lot of true crime and I would listen to podcasts about murderers and I realized why am I doing that to myself (laughs) yeah would literally make me scared to leave my house and that is just another example of you don't need to consume any media that you don't want to. And if it leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth after, it's obviously not good for you. Nope. I like that. I like the way you said that. <laughs> Life's too short. Well, I think about this moment. Well, I think about this person in five years. No? Okay. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I love that so much. Wrap up this little interview. I have some rapid fire questions for you. Yes. All right. What is your dream job? Oh, okay. Well, I want to work. Uh, I want to be a lawyer. That one's easy. I want to work in criminal law. <laughs> that one I got. <laughs> I love that. What is a book that you love or recommend? 
Um, oh, another good one. I love The Power of Now. I actually did recommend that one to you. That one is just a book that you can read again and again and again. And I honestly not hated it, but was like super defensive the first time I read it. I did not like 90% of the material. I felt super attacked by it. And then I read it again and I was like, oh, wait, okay. (laughs) I get this. This is beneficial to me. And so that book and that book for like a lifetime book of just coming back to it and reading it, even when you don't feel like you want to, that's the book that you read when you know, you need to hear it. <laughs> Who is your celebrity crush? Oh, so easy. Harry Styles. That don't even have to think about I know you already knew my answer to that. I was always a little bit more of a believer, but okay. I get it. I get it. Yeah, it's a, it's a respect thing. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you more of a morning or night workout person? Ooh, I like a good nighttime workout because I feel like I have more food in my body so I feel like I just get like a stronger and like bigger workout in but I like a good morning workout if I just need to get something done that day like I want to be productive and like I want to you know say that I did something okay last question What is one of your new year goals or intentions, whatever you set for yourself? I would say one of the bigger ones is being more like thoughtful and intentional with my energy and myself and being more like appreciative of what I've had. We kind of talked about this a little bit and you actually got me the the five minute journal of being more appreciative and stuff like that and taking time out of my day to intentionally be positive. I think positive people have just an energy that comes off of them. And I want to radiate a little bit more of that. I love that. Well, thank you so much again, Abby, for chatting with me today. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you soon. XX Maya.